classic 80s metal. Symphonic death metal opera. But I've got to be in a mood to listen to Black Sabbath. Many of our listeners weren't even born then. Back for its time, it was very progressive. I can see there are thrash elements. You are a metal paradox. A stunning vision of death metal. I would listen to it over and over and over again today. It just seems so dated. I hear this more as operatic and goth. Florianson will surpass Halford as the iconic heavy metal singer. You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. Well, good evening, Great Metal Debate fans. My name is Brian. I'm here with you tonight discussing various metal topics. We're glad you're with us. Joining me tonight is my good pal, sometimes mortal enemy, Gomfog. Gomfog, how are you doing tonight? Brian, I'm doing great, man. It's our first podcast of 2015, and I'm excited about that. 2014 was an amazing year, but that's done. We're moving on to some great things, some great metal, some great metal friends. Looking forward to meeting some new friends on the Great Metal Debate podcast this year. Absolutely, man. In the, the past two podcasts, you know, we did our best albums of 2014 and then did a retrospective of the topics we covered so we've let some time pass without really talking about things i thought we did the best albums of 1984 oh well we'll get past that but yeah there's some things that come up in metal and and i'm sure that you want to discuss them um what's what's first on your agenda for tonight well brian i forwarded you a link a video of a band called Mac Sabbath. Mac? Did you get that? I, I did get that. I had actually seen that. Another one of the Great Metal Debate friends had already sent that or put it up on the podcast. Yeah, and for those who haven't seen it, Mac Sabbath is bizarrely a band that plays Black Sabbath tracks, <laughs> but they dress like the McDonald's characters. The Ozzy Osbourne front person is actually Ronald McDonald. Yes. They have the Hamburglar playing drums, I believe. Yeah. And Grimace is there, maybe on bass. He's on bass, and Mayor McCheese is the guitar player. They've taken it a step further, Brian, where they've actually changed some of the lyrics to fit with the McDonald's theme, where he's actually talking about, you know, making hamburgers and such. <laughs> You know that started in a back room with a bunch of drunk dudes going, man, let's try this. I said that to you because I think it kind of gets to a big difference in the way you and I view music. You know, I found it mildly entertaining Uh when I saw that video, but I was curious what your take would be on it and what you would think about it as far as whether that's music or not or whether that's metal. Okay, yeah. I mean, let let me ask you this first. You know, can can we agree that they are – instrumental musicians with at least a, a, a mediocre talent i mean i only listened to the one video i so i wouldn't i wouldn't go that far they played the song well enough that i recognized it but i wouldn't go beyond that i'm not sure how talented those guys are right i'll tell you this i don't consider it to be real metal i mean i think it is what it is it's it's just a joke i don't like them changing the lyrics to fit the mcdonald's theme you know, if they dress up like McDonald's and play the original material, to me, that's complimentary. The way they've done it now is just sort of gimmicky. 
I don't think there's anything detrimental to metal about it, but I certainly don't think that it's anything that I would listen to, put on my iPod or anything like that. See, I would somewhat disagree with you about them changing the lyrics being gimmicky. I actually would say that that brings a little more artistic integrity to what they're doing. If they're merely playing Black Sabbath songs exactly like Black Sabbath does and dressing up as McDonald's characters, to me that's a pure gimmick. But then to actually maybe be making some social commentary by changing the lyrics, uh, I mean, I can somewhat respect that even though I don't find it very enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. You know, large fries and cheeseburgers are definitely social issues. I mean, come on, dude. They changed the lyrics completely. The only reason they changed those lyrics is to get attention. If they want to get attention, play it that way, sing it that way, that's fine, and then move on into some how, sort of mainstream, okay, I get that. But How do you know that that's the only reason they did that? Well, can you think of another reason why they would do it? I mean, I, I find it baffling, your, your take on the social commentary part of it. In the song that I heard, which was a takeoff on Paranoid, the lyricist had changed the lyrics to make some sort of commentary about, I think, killing animals to make the meat. Yeah, I I don't think that they were protesting that. I think they were just saying that as a matter of fact. I, I didn't see anything social about it at all. You might be right that they were purely trying to be ridiculous, and that was the point. I don't know how you can know that, though. I mean, I, I think there are other theories about why they could have been doing that. Well, they could have been doing it because it was a Wednesday. I mean, we could speculate about theories, but they're theories. I realize that's a theory of mine. I, I think it's a theory based on strong evidence that, that you know, uh, everything that they sang about was this sort of ridiculous thing. Let me, let me ask you this. Let me switch gears a little bit. I sent you a video of of two gentlemen playing on on children's instruments, basically, beginner instruments, playing a Slayer song. Do you find anything different about that? I watched the whole Max Sabbath video. I probably watched 15 seconds of those guys playing Slayer on the kids' toys. I mean, to me, that was just not worthy of any of my time. I find that baffling. That may be the most baffling thing I've heard you say. I mean... These guys were playing a legitimate Slayer song. They weren't adding or taking anything away from it. They were just playing the instruments. They were kitty instruments. But it sounded a little like Slayer. And to say that there's a difference between those two, I just don't get. You're saying that there's no difference between what Max Sabbath and what those guys were doing playing Slayer on the children's toys? There may be a difference. To me, they're both just a sort of ridiculous premise. I mean, they do it for the funny of it, if you ask me. Both of them. I can't know what either of their motivations are. I mean, it seemed much more straightforward. The guys were just playing Slayer, and you know, and they were just recording it. I guess in you know some right. back room somewhere. I mean, the Max Sabbath band. I ta- I didn't read up on it, but what I saw was actually a recording of a live performance. They they were performing for people somewhere on a stage, you know, at some small club. Right. So would you go you see know, them? It, no. Yeah, I wouldn't go see either of those. I think they both had the same intent. I mean, I can appreciate the talent involved. There's talent in both of those things, musically, uh, but... Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I mean, I I guess I could judge more guys playing the Slayer on the kids' toys. It's hard to judge how much talent the guys in Max Sabbath were displaying. Uh, Uh, But to me, what they were doing, they're, they're... 
I can conceive some artistic basis for what the guys in Max Sabbath were trying to do. The guys playing Slayer on children's toys is just playing Slayer on children's toys. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that they were trying to do anything, be ridiculous or whatever. <laughs> it just amazes me that you find complexity in the Ronald McDonald Black Sabbath cover tune band. Oh, well. Well, there's, what they're doing is certainly more complex than what the Slayer guys were doing. I mean, that's just straightforward. Hey, here's some different instruments, and let's play the songs we know. What the Max Sabbath guys did is, I mean, it's not something I don't find aesthetically pleasing, but it's to take two completely disparate ideas, the commercialism of McDonald's and Black Sabbath's music, and try to merge those two things together. I don't find that appealing, but I can understand and somewhat appreciate the creativity and, and artistic mindset that it might take to put those things together. So you find the drunk guys in the back room coming up with disparate ideas of the commercialism of McDonald's and the complexity of Black Sabbath music. That's how that came about. I think it's just a gimmick. That's what I think. I would be interested to know what the Great Metal Debate uh, podcast friends think. I mean, that might be a, a good topic for them to send our way uh, when they hear this. Well, Brian, I may actually need to go see Max Sabbath in concert because I have been amazed about how few metal acts there are to see in 2015. This time last year, there were four different concert tours that I was planning to see. And there just seemed to be no metal acts planning to tour this year that I'm interested in. Well, I think the key term there is that I'm interested in. One of my New Year's resolutions was to see twice as many shows this year as I saw last year. Of course, I only saw two, so four is the number. That's not a massive amount, but it's a massive amount for me. I have found that much plus one that I want to go see. So for me, it's not a horrible year. What are the concerts that you're talking about? I mean, what, what are the ones that you want to see? Well, there are two tours that I'm very interested in. One that I already have tickets to see two of the shows is Nightwish, Sabaton, and Delane. Yeah. I'm going to be seeing them in both Nashville and Louisville in May. The other is Camelot. I don't think I'm going to get to see them because they're not coming anywhere close. Uh-huh. Uh, but again, this time last year, there were just so many tours. And, and I'm just, you know, as I go through and, and, and look at the uh, listings at the different venues that I like to go to, right. I'm just not seeing them so far in 2015. You know, if you look at the discography of most bands, it's usually a couple of years between albums. And so that kind of makes sense. I've got six concerts on the calendar that I'd like to go to. I want to see, uh, in February, August Burns Red is coming around. There's a concert in Bowling Green on the 13th with a local band that I want to check out. And in March, uh, on the 14th, I want to see uh, Y&T in Nashville. Of course, that's a great 80s metal band that I love a lot. And then I want to go see Bullbeat and Anthrax on the 19th. And then, of course, ACDC is coming at some point. They're overseas on the first leg from May to July, but they'll be in the States at the end of 2015. And I will be there. Most of those that you've listed, I would have zero interest in going to. So, I mean, I, I guess I can see that. You know, I'm just not... None of the artists or tours that you mentioned feature what I think are, is the most progressive and the highest point in the evolution of metal, which is melodic death and symphonic metal. Yeah, and I think by looking for the highest point, you miss some of the best music. But that's a different debate. I, I, I get that. 
Now, the local bands, that's kind of a different scene. I, I want to check out Deviants, a uh, Louisville band. Uh, Dysphorium is supposed to be writing some new music. And if you talk about new music coming out in 2015, well, that's a totally different story, which tends oh. to suggest that 2016 or the end of 2015 will be full of bands to see. You're exactly right, Brian. And we had a question about what new music our listeners were interested in seeing in 2015. Right. And a lot of different bands were listening. So many bands are going to have new music. But again, even in December of 2013, I knew there were a bunch of concerts I was going to in 2014. Right. And I just can't say that about this coming year. and It's a little disappointing. You know, I mean, I think they'll come around. I don't think that there's not going to be a lot of concerts this year. I think if those bands that are supposed to put out music in 2015 put out that music, there are going to be some good concerts coming around. I agree, or at least hope so. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, I want to bring up something you've been giving me shit about for a long time, and we need to discuss it. You took issue with the statement that I made uh, where I said, you know, one of the issues I find more interesting uh, is your disdain for commercial appeal. You know, you know any band that is good is doomed to be ostracized. I want to first clear something up. I misspoke, and I blame that on the liquor at the last uh, podcast. What I meant to say, and I stand by this, is that any band that enjoys success is doomed to be ostracized by you, and I think you miss a lot of good music because of it. I am overwhelmed by an abundance of great music, so I, I'm not missing any music, man. I just don't take into account success. To me, that's not a measure of anything. I I really don't have any interest in how successful a band is. Well, what if Nightwish were to start getting radio play and sold out arenas for their tour? Are they automatically a sellout band and kind of don't deserve any respect? It would depend, I guess, on you know how that came to be. Let's take a band, let's say Judas Priest. Right. I think you would say that Judas Priest is a metal band. Yeah. But also one that has had a lot of commercial success. I, I agree. I would say that you for some reason, have put Judas Priest on a back burner because they're too commercial. What do you mean on a back burner? I've been listening to Judas Priest for 30 years. And I have never missed a concert tour. I have seen them every time they come around. I look back, and I literally on my CD rack have three rows of Judas Priest albums, bootleg albums. That's, what? what where's the back burner? And you have somehow demoted them to the second status. It used to be nobody topped Judas Priest. You gave them a decent review. You put one of their albums on the top ten list, but I did. yet you continually use them as an example of how metal is no longer relevant, or that type of metal is no longer relevant. Your statement about Floor Jansen becoming great, the greatest heavy metal singer above Rob Halford, I think that reflects an attitude of your disdain for commercialism. The point I was going to make about Judas Priest was a great deal of the reason for their commercial success is because they didn't just stick with metal. They played hard rock tunes like Living After Midnight, and that's what expanded their audience to give them a commercial appeal and success. Yeah, and I've been thinking about this. I mean, and I think that if you ask fans of Judas Priest how they labeled them, hard rock would not be the first thing they came up with. I just think it's ridiculous that you have a criteria uh, for the definition of metal that is based in any way on how commercial a band is. 
part of the criteria would be that metal is not a commercial form of music. It's not commercially appealing, generally. Um, Your brand of metal. Metal, as it started, spawned a whole generation of fans. And, and I would say that when you're talking about these commercial successes, almost invariably, you're talking about bands that, while they might have more or less metal, all ventured into the heavily into hard rock. And it's the hard rock elements that made for commercial success. And I would say that that's your definition of metal and your definition of hard rock. I would say that the majority of fans of Judas Priest and Scorpions and, and bands that came in the 80s and started the 80s, they would have that definition as heavy metal, not hard rock. Well, I mean, we can another time have the argument about the Scorpions, who I would, I would strongly argue are a hard rock, not a metal band. Judas Priest is a metal band, but they have played many times hard rock songs. I think the hard rock element has led to the commercial success that they've had, especially with songs like Living After Midnight that objectively are more hard rock than heavy metal. And I would think the fans of Judas Priest would label Living After Midnight as heavy metal. And I think it's some of those hard rock songs that got them their commercial success, not as a hard rock band, but as what people considered a metal band. They've never been nominated for best hard rock band. People have never thought of them that way. I would say that fans from the 80s and people who actually were there when they came around would label the Scorpions as metal. Although by today's definition, I could see where they would be found as hard rock. But that's to me, that's not the point. They had commercial success as a heavy metal band. You, you and I, well, again, we can save the Scorpions thing for another day, because I, I, I'd be happy to make that argument about Scorpions, who, I, who I've never thought were metal band. I mean, at times they play quasi-metal, but, I mean, they're a hard rock band. Oh, Come on. my God, they're so metal. They're so 80s metal. It's great. The Zoo is one of the greatest songs ever written. I love it. Brian, I'll just say, count me as skeptical that a band that's hugely commercial, selling out arenas, is going to be a metal band. And I would say that it's a, it's a sad thing that you think that. All right, let's just leave uh, commercialism at that. I want to move on to the next topic. I want to talk about a personal hero of mine. I want to talk about Otto of Delane and what he has been through. And the great heroism he showed in a particular situation, uh, which I think all of us can identify with. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if I would call him a hero. It's not like he rescued a child out of a burning building, but I, oh, but I will say, <laughs> but I will say that certainly he's a guy who guys sympathize with because any guy could only imagine what he went through. Okay, dude, tell him, tell him what happened. Well, Otto is the bass player for Delane. Delane, of course, I got to see them on their. Uh, recent North American tour supporting Sonata Artica. They had gone on to Europe and, in particular, uh, were in the United Kingdom right. and were playing. They had actually added Meryl Bechtol, the guitarist from uh, Mayan, oh, yeah. to the group. And so they had two guitarists on stage along with the bass player. Right. And as Otto stated, that kind of messed up their stage dynamic. He, right. The normal stage yeah. uh, spots that they would have, they've kind of been 
little moved off of his normal spot. Yeah. yeah. Delane also uses, where they can, a streamer can. They basically shoot streamers out into the audience at a certain point. So Otto was at the wrong point on stage at the wrong time, and apparently at a point in the song, The Gathering, which is played toward the end of the set, Uh the streamer cannon struck him in the rear on his genitals. Oh, it hurts my parts. It actually ruptured his testicle, and he was bleeding from his testicle on stage. Oh, stop. God dang, that makes it hurt. Listen, when I was 13, I got hit in the balls while playing catcher in the Babe Ruth baseball, and I didn't have a cup on, and it was one of the most painful things I've ever experienced in my life. I literally fainted. As far as I'm concerned, this guy's a metal hero. He finished the freaking show, man. I mean, he just played on. How do you do that? You got a pair. That's how you do it. I mean, if you get shot in a cannon in your gonads and you keep going... You're a bigger man than I am. I I think from now on that he should play every show with that one nut hanging out of his zipper and, like, (laughs) arrows pointing to it, that kind of thing, because it needs to be recognized. Well, I've met Otto, shook his hand, but I'd like to shake his hand again because that dude, he's got my respect. To finish the set, that's the most amazing thing. To, To finish the set with his set bleeding? Oh, yeah. Brian, I'm amazed, honestly, that more accidents like that don't happen on stage, especially tight stages, and even, you know, when they use some pyro on stage, different bands, I'm surprised that we don't see or hear about more accidents like that happening these days. Well, of course, you have the horrible Great White tragedy with too much pyro in the small club, but, I mean, hell, you and I were at a show, we saw Metallica and the Cult, when Jason Newstead was almost killed by a swinging uh, raptor, that came down from the stage setup. It really, I mean, and there have been tragedies. So, you know, ACDC has a, their barricade was crashed and people died. And they still don't talk about it. And those are horrible, but I'm just, I mean, I agree with you. It seems like it would happen a lot more often. You wonder if there may come a day when it, there is a tragedy like that and they have to change the way they do shows and, and reduce the number of effects. And, right, uh, right and things that they do on stage just for safety's sake. Well, already they have assigned seats on many of the large arena shows. You get into these small clubs, you get people going crazy. I, I bet you do get some crazy accidents in some of the small clubs. You just don't hear about it. Well, you know, I think in honor of, of Otto, I'm going to go request that my neighbors kick me in the nuts and then, like, headbang. <laughs> well, I tell you what, if you will turn on some of your... Uh, 80s arena rock, I'll probably come over and kick you in the nuts. You do that for me as a friend, I appreciate it. And then turn off your 80s arena rock and put on some melodic death or symphonic metal. I can promise you this, if you do that, I'm not going on with the show. So hats off to my friend Otto from Delay. Alright, great Metal Debate listeners, we appreciate you joining us for this metal cast. We'll be having more podcasts and more interviews coming up. Keep communicating with us via our Facebook page. Check out all our podcasts on our YouTube channel and on SoundCloud.com. For Brian, this is Gomthog signing off.